Let's make sure history never forgets the name. Sci-fi melody. Got out. So, Rage, what are we reviewing today? Tenant. Uh, what? Tenant. You need to fix your audio. You got a glitch or something. Okay, is this a joke? No, I know what's going on. He's caught in inverted entropy. Uh, what? Is that even possible? Well, according to physicist Harlan Lang of Oxford, there is a non-zero chance. We'll get to you in a second. You understood him? No, but I know how to get this review going. You need to step into that turnstile over there. And what does it do? It puts you into reverse entropy. Think of it this way. You'll be like electrons and positrons passing each other by. Uh, like the Hedron Collider? Exactly. Which means, don't collide with yourself there. As Doc Brown might say, it would make a paradox. Collision. It'd make the Zarbamba look tame. Uh, is this even possible or safe? Possible, yes. Safe. Only if I operate it from here. That means you and Mark will have to do this review alone. Okay, well, here goes nothing. Oh, Thomas, thank God. Man, the air feels weird over here. Yeah, molecule mo molecules are moving forward. More backward compared to where you were. Whatever. Let's just review Tenet. Sci-Fi Malady. Mott Pims, 212. Tenet? Bro, Tenet. Welcome back, sickies, to our final episode of Spy-Fi September. We are going to be covering Christopher Nolan's film Tenet, which... There's a lot here, and, and it's true. Today, Scott will not be joining us, which is unfortunate, because this is the kind of film that Scott would like to dig into. But Thomas and I will still be doing this, and I think it'll be a lot, a great chat. And before we get into this, let me just make one thing clear, because something this is something Scott brought up, and even I'm a little bit surprised. It is inconceivable that... I would have liked a Christopher Nolan film. That's that's the, the prevailing theory. And that's because I detested the Dark Knight trilogy. Uh, no, this is not the case. I think Chris Nolan does his best work when he does his most original stuff. Um, I felt he just didn't know Batman. And those movies really were badly made anyway. He was not in his element. He took a shot, he took a stab at it, sure. But he wasn't in his element, whereas these kind of movies, he's in his element. I <clears throat> I have yet to see Memento, but Memento is similar to this in a way, as I understand it. I don't know. Have you seen that movie, Thomas? Um, I It's been a while, honestly. Okay. I've gotten yeah. most of it. I just know it's a guy taking uh, Polaroids to remind himself of his memory loss. I, that's all I know. Uh, uh you got the gist, kind of. Yeah, it's 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 a neat premise, and he and unlike Abrams, he knows how to carry out the plot. So, but I really enjoyed Interstellar. I thought that was a fantastic movie. Uh, surprisingly, I did not like um, Inception. For some reason, it just I didn't care for it. Weirdly enough, and I can't explain why. I know I detested the ending, but the very very last scene because of the lack of closure. But other than that, I have no real good explanation as to why. Um, and then, uh, but I loved Interstellar. I thought Dunkirk was great. Uh, and this movie, I really enjoyed. There was, I only had one, I guess, 1.5 rips, which we'll get into. I don't okay. know, Thomas, Thomas, you said this well. You said this was a fun, crazy movie. Yeah, um, that's a good way of putting it, because while watching it, I'm just sitting here going, 
I understand some of what's going on. And this is kind of fun to see where it's going. But at other times, it just hurt my head. <laughs> that is a regular um, criticism, this film. Not one I'm necessarily going to dive into. But a criticism that this film is hard to follow. And one of the things about... And, and that's true of Chris Nolan in general. Unless you're talking about the Dark Knight trilogy or Dunkirk, his films are a mind warp. They are definitely not a shut brain down. If you are a popcorn and Avengers kind of person, that that's the kind of film you want, I do not recommend Christopher Nolan at all. This will not be your cup of tea. And, and if you're no. one of those that all you want to do is see groundbreaking cinematography you'll get good cinematography in these films but you really go to a chris nolan film for two things the car chases because he does great car chases and yeah. and the story if you and if you don't like and the car chases i mean if you want the fast and the furious style you're you've come to the wrong shop but um this film probably does the, the criticism was you need to see it a few times and that's probably valid so i but, seeing it a second time probably would help yeah and, and with that in mind i'm gonna Ooh. give a plot summary but it's gonna be short because if i were to try <laughs> to get into the details it would be the entire episode great masters one minute plot summary ready set so basically I'm just going to give three major points that you sickies need to know if you haven't seen it the main point is that a CIA agent the protagonist as he's called is given a task um, let me look at it the easy way here I found a really great summary someone typed up that he is a CIA agent He's given a single word as his weapon and sent to prevent the onset of World War III. And he has to travel, well, it says travel through time, but that's not completely accurate. Uh, but he has to bend the laws of nature to succeed in his mission. What he's trying to do is prevent a Russian oligarch from putting together an algorithm, which could then be used to send a, this oligarch is dying of cancer, and he reveals that someone made a, an algorithm device that could somehow create an effect where it would affect the past, but not the future, as I understand it. Mark, and he, Mark let me try here. Go for it. I, no offense, but this one is— No, no, no. If you think you got a handle on it, go for it. Um, yeah, it's, the movie starts CIA going after— plutonium what they thought was plutonium and going after this that's what starts it you already start to get christopher nolan's effects of something else is going on mm, right um you go into this your main uh put the protagonist the guy you are following is now presumed dead and now he's going into the secret super secret mission of stopping World War Three, yeah, because and this World War III, is... right? World War Three is a time one because the future is now sending weapons back in time to destroy us, right? And apparently, it has something to do with someone in the future. the 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 Arch has got orders from someone in the future to t destroy the past so he can prevent climate change. That's mentioned somewhere in there. I don't recall that. Yes, that but was literally at the end on the boat where he's saying, yeah. yes, the oceans are boiling and da, 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 da. it, was, it yeah. was a climate change message there. Yeah, but the idea was that by using the algorithm, they could destroy the past but keep the future and try to save it and fix it. Somehow and, get around the grandfather paradox. Yeah, and the, they, the algorithm was broken up into nine separate objects by the creator who feared they would use it for just such a thing. And, of course, the heroes win the day. They managed to do this, but they managed to prevent World War III, but— By going um, backwards and forwards through time multiple times. 
Yeah. And it's not, we're going to cover the science as best we can, but it's not, it, it's time travel, but it's not. It's not, it, it's time travel in not the way that you think of time travel. Exactly. If you're thinking in terms of time machine or Delor flying DeLorean, that's not what this is at all. This is something de decidedly different. So, but uh, 10 times more confusing. Oh, for sure. For sure. So before we get into the science, let me just, the fun facts are just going to be quickies here. So uh, the first one I'm going to mention, fun fact, is that our episode number is a palindrome. And why is that important? Because originally the film was going to get called Merry-Go-Round, and boy, did I, am I glad they changed that name. And I'm sorry, I, I would... Mary Grown by Chris. Yeah, that doesn't have the same ring. No, no. It was the working title. But they changed it to Tenet because it's a palindrome. And the idea is that everything that happens here on the entropy, on the reversed entropy side, is happening inversely. So palindrome seemed appropriate. And it's just fun that our episode number is a palindrome as well. Yeah. Funny that. And that and no sickies, that was not planned. That happened quite accidental. As soon as I typed it out, I went, huh, look at that. Um so the next thing was that the production level, the secrecy of this production was intense. The actors didn't even know until they got locked in a room to read the script the first time. And that makes sense because when I saw the uh, promotion for it on the website, it just showed the word tenant spinning around in a circle. And they kept this thing so under lock and key that you weren't, you just knew it was a spy thriller of some kind. That was it. So you, you had to go see the movie to see this, which I really like that because. Well, honestly, the, I also, the trailer for this was, Weird. Yeah, it told you nothing. It it told it you get, very little. You almost got more out of the music for the trailer and the music right. for the which also left you just quizzical going, What? Yep. This, th what? This time I what? <laughs> right. So you have to and, and I like that because me getting on my old man soapbox here, I can remember back when trailers didn't give you everything when you watched a trailer and it just made you want to see the movie. Now you see a trailer. It's like, well, I've seen everything. I'm done. I'm done. Whereas this just made you want to see the movie. If that was your cup of tea. And I really wish we'd go back to that because aside from trailer lengths, um, they show you all the best parts. Why do I need to see the movie now? Yeah. So. Yeah. This one, well, there's a difference here also in the type of film. This film, True. in the trailer, it showed some of the very important parts. But it was showing you them um, in a different context because you needed the context to understand those parts. You needed the mm -hmm. talking to understand it. This is yeah. a very, this is a very dialogue-heavy movie at times. Oh, for sure. But it offsets it with some great action as well. But no, if you miss the dialogue, you're going to be lost. Yeah, so I mean, there are sections of this which it's, you know, it's nice shots, it's shot well, but they're just talking. Mm -hmm. It's at times feels like a James Bond film. Well, and that's kind of, yeah, that's exactly right. In fact, I have a note about that. Eh, since you mentioned James Bond, Robert Pattinson, who plays the, an agent, uh, he was supposed to be the James Bond type agent. He was the... Um, contact uh neil that was his name mm. um he was the contact for the protagonist and everyone thought oh well he's trying to be like james bond no not at all actually he was trying to be more like uh, christopher hitchens a famous writer and journalist british journalist so and when you look at their pictures side by side yeah they even have kind of similar hair okay so, well all i gotta say is even he, he did pretty well because no offense, but first time I saw that he was going to play and I'm like, oh, sparkle <laughs> vampire. He's been tainted by Twilight. It's true. 
So like you, most people don't even remember he was in Harry Potter because of Twilight. So, but no, he, he pulled, he showed oh, yeah. his acting chops in this movie. Ab- absolutely. Everyone did. Cause again, yeah, absolutely. this film, and I think we do have to bring this up is not just the action is difficult because good grief. Some of these action scenes are like, I, it hurts my brain even trying to think how they filmed it or even right. could film it. But there's other times where you're like, these people are actually portraying emotion very well. Well, and it's funny. It's like you're just bleeding into the fun facts here, Thomas. The, <laughs> one of the beautiful things about this, too, with the actors, not just the portrayal, the emotion, they had to learn how to speak backwards for their dialogue. So every scene where the person is speaking backwards, that's really them. That's not a computer. They had to learn those lines backwards. In fact, Kenneth Branagh, who played the oligarch, I think it was Sajoy, he had to learn how to speak his lines backwards in a Russian accent. Oh, good grief. Yeah, I mean, and even the action sequences, those were done backwards. Yeah, as I said, they were practical stunts, and they had to learn how to fight backwards. Yeah, it's it's a when watching it, it is fascinating and really fun and intriguing and also weird because you're watching one person basically fighting forwards and one person fighting backwards. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and And they, they pull it off, and it works. Yes, but it's also one of those things you're going. This is where my brain hurts because what? <laughs> How did they pull this off, you know? Yeah. Um, we talked about the story. And well, before we do that, uh, I'll go back to that. The plane crash in Oslo Airport, the Freeport. Yes. They actually crashed real. a plane. Yes, I and heard they that. They actually crashed a plane. <laughs> they were going to do miniatures, but then they decided no, it would actually be cheaper just to buy a real plane that's nobody's using. And crash into a building nobody's using. Yeah. Wow. Surprisingly cheaper. <laughs> yeah. How much I, is it, that also says quite a bit for model workers. That's an expensive task then if you can just go buying a plane's cheaper. Well, and that bleeds into the next one. That this was the most expensive independent film ever made. Christopher Nolan gets is very respected and pretty much gets whatever he wants for the most part. And so when he wanted his $205 million budget, he got it. And that explains how he's able to do that, pay these actors, do all these inverse things. He he had the money to mess with. And of course, this money didn't make as much as, say, Endgame. It was never going to. But I guess if you're Christopher Nolan and you know the studio's going to give you the money, who cares? (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, but the, the idea of fact for tenant, we talked about, um, you go for the story. This idea was floating in his head for 20 years. He's been wanting to do this kind of a movie for 20 years. So when he finally put pen to paper or whatnot, to hash out a script, it was in his head. He just had to hammer out the details. So. And that that goes a long way to saying how people, some of these best films are made by people who've thought about it, who've yeah. come up with ideas, instead of having some marketing guy come to you and say, let's make a movie about uh, other kids at Hogwarts. Man, wow, well, you get that all on your own there? Well, this is also a very interesting thing because – he was able to explore some stuff that was like hurt, hurt your brain at times. And because the shocking part being that this was in his brain and he could put it down. Because I'm sorry, the ending scene, oh, scenes, I guess. Mm-hmm. The fight. The final big battle, yeah. Oh, good grief, did that hurt. Well, and that's funny because. He, the um, the final fun fact and why this hurts is because the science is for it's science fiction for sure, but it's also accurate to a point. 
Um, after the script was made, Nolan sent it to phys theoretical physicist Kip Thorne, who looked at it and gave it a pass and said, yeah, that's, uh, that's feasible. Well, it, it, the science isn't terrible. By any, I mean, it, it does help that he did one big thing, which is this technology is from the future. Right. So it's exactly. Like, so you can explain okay. away where does the turnstile come from? The future. We didn't Ex make it. Exactly. It's like oh, all this math and science and whatever, however this works. Don't worry about it. Future science figured it out and sent it backwards. Yeah. Okay. And that that. I mean, it's still like I don't know if that, but you can just go in the future. It's and it didn't give a time either. It's not. Three, you know, year three thousand. No, it's future. Never gave it exact time. Yeah. Nothing. And those are the best ways to do it because that way no one can say can make fun of it. Like Lost in Space, that in nineteen ninety nine or Back to the Future two. Those are tougher sells when you get there and realize, wow, we are nothing like that at all. Depressing. <laughs> so I mentioned the science is accurate so someone might be tempted to say how do you know what what part is is there well let's dive in let's start with the first concept the time travel concept as it were entropy i could give you the scientific detailed la 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 but i'll put it to you this way entropy is the idea that molecules and everything are moving a general trend of the universe towards death and disorder Things just, uh, if you just look at it as a line, everything degrades. Nothing reverses. If you were to drop an egg on the ground, the entropy is that it's going to hit the ground and break up. So by our understanding of physics, there's the molecules aren't going to rearrange, reform the egg, and have it fly back up. However, as Scott pointed out, there is a non-zero possibility that the egg could repair itself and the molecules could do that. Non-zero is a very garbage way to put it, I guess, but it's the only way to put it. That's where the fiction comes in. And so that's the idea of how time travel works in this, the idea that you're taking uh, a bullet pulling itself out of the wall or um, people fighting themselves backwards or speaking backwards. It's the idea that you're not really time traveling as much as you are going forward in reverse. It's, it's kind of like that glass shattering, but instead it stops and then starts reforming. So yeah, it, yeah, that's it, how time travel works. <laughs> yeah. It, Entropy is, oh, yeah, yeah, it, it's, it, it is. It would involve all the air and ground molecules to basically decide, nope, we're going to go the other way now. Well, there is, um, this, the, there's, again, this is where there are theories and ideas out there of entropy and the destruction and decay and E equals MZ square, and you can't destroy matter. Oh, energy, so, so energy only transfers, so it becomes new energy and matter. It's, Make it so. It, there's a million theories out there of just how the universe works and entropy and things like that. And this steps into one of them, which is... Yeah. And, and the interesting thing being that it, it's playing around with the flow of time. Because it's like, yeah, time flows one direction. Now, you might be able to change your perception and your movement through it. But everything else is still going one direction. Yeah, it's just one is going, well, I guess, towards entropy, and the other one is going away from it. And that's that actually goes to a central idea of physicists Richard Fenneman and John Wheeler, who they are name-dropped in the movie ever so briefly to talk about how the turnstiles work. 
And basically with them, th this theory, it's that electrons are particles that hold a negative charge and positrons are antiparticles that have the same mass as electrons with an equal but opposite positive charge. And so like you mentioned, Thomas, they kind of, um, the, and then there's antimatter part, antiparticles that mirror other types of particles like antineutrons, antiprotons, et cetera. And these things are all known as antimatter. So, and positrons are just found in things like cosmic rays or in hedron colliders, like you, hadron colliders, like you mentioned, Thomas. And essentially, they're the mirror image of themselves, the anti and the positive. And if you were to somehow, the theory is if you could make time invert, entropy invert, you'd be causing the, um, a positron to move backwards through time to coexist alongside its former self or God help us collide with itself. It's basically saying, well, what if we took the positive and the negative particles, the antiparticles and made them move in reverse and then stop them at a point where they'd be hanging out together in the same spot. But that of course makes a bigger problem um, that, uh, because fundamentally, a positron is a thing moving forwards in time. Uh, it's not like there's time travel happening every time we see a positron in the world. But what happens with the turnstile is the turnstile, this is where the heavy um, um, science fiction comes in. It's the device that basically allows you to invert, to go from, let's say, a positive to a negative positron or particle. Now, normally that would kill you, but they decide that somehow the turnstile just gives you a little air bubble is that you can survive in that alternate world. So you can go from the antiparticle world to the part positive particle world and survive, so long as you have an oxygen mask because the air is moving backwards by your standard. And it, I guess if you're confused at this point, let's just put it this way. The theory is that for every positive particle, there's a negative particle. And if you consider a person a particle, the negative particle would be where we are. The turnstile allows you to go into the opposite of what you are. So by your st so you're still moving forward, but for the other side of where you were, you're moving in reverse, reverse entropy. The turnstile helps you survive but you still need an oxygen mask, otherwise you'll die. And God help you, God help us, if you collide with yourself in uh, the same place, because that would normally, that, you know, if a positive and a nutritive part, positive and negative particles collide, like in a hedron collider, it releases energy. Something the size of a human, like the protagonist, if he was converted into antimatter, the explosion would be the equivalent to 3,800 megatons of TNT, meaning the Earth is probably gone. So well, why you would send nuclear weapons back when you could just make someone go back and run into themselves, causing an antimatter explosion, I don't know. Well, antimatter converts 100% matter into energy. Energy, and that's a lot of energy. Yes, considering I believe right now the best thermonuclear devices we have only convert 40% at best, I think. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, let's let's not basically if you were to collide, you'd create a annihilation event. So, and again, these are all I'm not I don't want to go too much heavier into this because um, it could it might make someone just think of it this way. There's a positive version of you, a person, let's say, and a negative version of you. And you're both heading towards entropy. However, if you were to cross over to the other side, it'd be like you are now in reverse entropy. But the only reason you can survive it is because the turnstile helps you do so. And that's and you see this really well played out at the final battle scene 
where in order to get the algorithm, they have to invade a town and they have to do a pincer movement, which consists of two teams, one inverted, one not inverted, in a battle. And that's why you see explosions happening and then explosions going in reverse. And the two teams have to do this to prevent the other side from using the inverse from preventing them. It's it's really a mind warp, but it was a lot of fun to watch one team land come running out and then the other team running backwards to go. Yeah, the, it was like so one team was going backwards from the end of the battle while the other team was going forward. And while meeting in the middle is how they managed to beat the enemy. Pretty much. Whilst at the same time, um, oh, I just had the guy's name. What's the bad guy's name? I really should have the cast out. The cast's names are something that, that I guess that would be a rip. I really don't remember cast names. It becomes irrelevant, honestly. Savoy, Sartro, um, do not remember. We're doing a good job on this review. Don't even know cast member name. name. <laughs> Yay, we're terrible. Hang on, I'll look it up because it's going to bug me. Um, tenant cast. I can't believe this. Sorry, Sikis. We should be better than this, but we're not. Uh, Andre Sator. Andre, who is the kind of mastermind of this plot, who wants to send the nukes back in time. He uh, He's dying of cancer, and he needs to be convinced not to do it during a trip in Vietnam. So his wife, who is Kat, who he's kind of estranged from, has to get to him at that precise moment to convince him not to do carry out his action and to steal the algorithm from him. So while they're doing this kind of secret spy thing to steal something. There's also this big battle going on somewhere else. It was really well done. I call it a more a scientifically accurate battle of Endor. It really is well done. Okay. So unless you have anything else to add to the, the science there, I think we can get into rips and picks. Uh, not really anything with science. So, yeah, let's get into rips and picks. And I just did my first pick. That end fight is tense. It keeps you moving. Um, where they crash the airport to get in and steal the paintings It's and redo the beginning. It's it, it's a... And the car chases. The, in fact, the highway, I guess I'll make that a second one. The highway scene where you see all of a sudden, it's like the movie... The movie is heading in one direction, what we would consider forward, and then it starts going backwards and showing you the reverse entropy version of itself. So things that you saw during a car chase scene of a car suddenly flipping over start to make sense because you see that that car doesn't actually belong to this time. It's coming, it went through, the person driving it went through a turnstile and is going backwards to make sure that the person driving on the highway can accomplish their mission. Yes. It's very... Con it, scenes that you saw earlier, you're now seeing from a different perspective and makes the most sense. Yeah, but you have to get to the end where it starts going backward to the beginning for it to make sense. And you start to have those oh moments the things that at the beginning were just huh now it starts to make sense because now you get to see it's like those two particles coming and happening to be at the same spot if you were to freeze frame it now you get to see what's going on but you have to <laughs> it's like being in the middle of two hedron colliders hadron colliders if that were possible and seeing it, it it's it's really well done and yeah that's a big pick right there that you have to move the story has to go in reverse just like the whole concept of reverse entropy yes it well it doesn't have well it does because again only once you actually get the very end do you realize what happened at the very beginning right then it makes sense 
And then you find out that the CIA operation at the beginning at the Opera House was actually a test for the protagonist to see if he can pull it off. Except it's also not a test because what's already happened has happened. So Right. So, again, th this gets to the point where people are going backwards in time to do stuff that they already did to make it happen. It's like, okay. Mm -hmm. And then you find out who is involved in Tenet, and Tenet is the organization trying to prevent the World War III event, and you find out everybody who's involved. Right. And... I, I don't want to say any more on that because it's like you really need to see. I don't. I I know we spoil stuff here, but I'm like, ah, oh, sickies need to see this because. Oh. I agree. I agree. You don't want to. You don't want to do. We are a spoiler channel, but um, for this one, I think we'll leave a little bit to the imagination. That's a good point. I think also another scene that I really liked was where they use those uh, bungee launchers to get up that tower in Mumbai. Oh, yeah. That was a really neat scene. All the action and spy craft in this film is really top-notch. Uh, it's not over-the-top. I mean, somehow, despite being what it is, it is not as over-the-top as, say, even Moonraker at times. And I think that's incredible, that I can watch a film that with such a bizarre concept and still say, I'd I buy that. Whereas some of the stuff I saw in Moonraker, I'm like, uh, what? A gondola suddenly becomes a, 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 a hovercraft, what? I mean, come on. Or, or floating around with a laser battle in space. Come on, guys. Yeah. It, well, this, this film stretches things. I mean... Apparently, there's an entire, basically, military organization that exists that no one knows about. Mm, who has yeah. access to how many Chinooks? <laughs> like, almost... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess if you could go back in time, you know how to get them or something. You could plan a lot, because if you if you have a, for, a re person... If the version of Thomas is moving in reverse, you could find out from him what not to do or what to do to get it, so... Oh, yeah, yeah there's going already... to be a guard coming around the corner. Except I've already done that, so that's where it gets confusing. Yeah, So, but, but somehow you know it. But again, that that's the thing where you go... There's some stretching here, but how this film is set up and how you you just accept it. There is no question. Oh, yeah, there's a, they're bringing in 15 Chinooks here and dropping an entire army here. Okay. Well, and yeah, yeah, and that is what, you know, myself and many others have called, have harped on the verisimilitude, the idea that the, the problem, in fact, I just watched a video this morning from Shadowversity about the cool guy syndrome, and he mentions this, uh, where people tend to think that because it's science fiction or there's magic or whatever, that I can just throw all caution to the wind and break the rules. And no, you can't. And Shad put it this way. He said, if you have uh, a story where whenever the main character, someone points a gun at the main character, the gun misfires. Well, you basically gave him a plot armor that essentially ruins the stakes. There aren't any because the the when the when the bad guy pulls a gun on the main on the good guy, all you're thinking is it's gonna misfire. And then suddenly, if it doesn't misfire, you're stopping to say, wait, 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 wait. Now it works all of a sudden because the plot told us it needs to. Or in another way, the character who is smart and has figured out every single plot twist and turn except for this one, because they had their stupid pills. Um, it really, you can't just say, well, it's fantasy. Because if at any point you establish rules of a world and then suddenly go, meh, well, magic, it doesn't work that way. You take me out of the story. Because now I'm saying, wait, you just told me this. Now it's this. It, it always reminds me of the old cartoon 
the Garfield cartoon where they're telling the story of Rumpelstiltskin and they just keep changing it so that the good guy wins or the bad guy wins, you know? Oh, he gets in a spaceship and flies away. Oh, but the, the spaceship's caught by the trained dinosaurs this guy has. Oh, well, he gets Godzilla to fight the trained dinosaurs. It's, it really is writing like that. And in that episode, it was shown to be ridiculous. It was made to look stupid. But now that's the writing, of sty uh, writing style on the basis of don't argue plot holes because that's just dumb. There's magic in space. Christopher Nolan took the opposite tack. He sat down and said, I have to stick to the parameters that I have set up. I'm Aside from whatever scientific accuracy he's aimed for, he's also sticking to his rules. And that is something I can really appreciate. At no, Like you said, Thomas, at no point did seeing, what was it, 20 Chinooks or whatever, did I say, what? It was more, yeah, okay. Yeah, it was a significant asset. I mean, that was, well, one team had at least five Chinooks. The other team had another five. So minimum 10 Chinooks, which <laughs> if you know anything yeah. about military assets, uh, that's not insignificant. Well, we got a minute. Go ahead and tell them about that. Uh, it's a heavy lift helicopter that is not cheap. Uh, also kind of hard to uh, hide. Oh place anywhere because it's pretty big more likely um, loud <laughs> yes uh it's also loud big and obvious especially if you're looking for it so it's like one of those things you go how is this we can't let them know we're coming even in the future so no way to dude this is going to show up on every satellite <laughs> out there that there's Chinooks landing here. How did no one notice before a bomb went off over in Russia, where you have satellites orbiting all the time watching these things, that there was an army of Chinooks landing? Yeah, but, right. But you just go, okay. Also, how did no one notice that the explosions over here were very weird? <laughs> Well, I mean, the guy, everyone on that operation knew what was going on. Well, that's right. I know what I'm saying is talking about, like, uh, satellites or something. Oh, I see, I see, I see. Yeah, like if someone or some guy who just was driving by going, what? <laughs> did that just, did that explosion just implode? <laughs> yeah, considering our main character does manage to, uh, Find out what happens when a gas explosion happens in the reverse. Yeah, yeah, that was a great scene. That was another pick. Now that you mention it, now yeah. that you mention it, and um, you know, I, I there's so many picks I can give. I would just say the action and the story and the dialogue. Of, of course, the fact that they reverse fought and reverse spoke. That in and of itself is incredible. Um, I, I mentioned, I'm going to mention rips here. I have, um, two, well, three, two of them are little minor nitpicks. One of them kind of gets negated. One of them is enough to knock this film down by 0.5. And okay. so the first one is at the beginning when they're trying to pull off a raid, a CIA raid in that Ukrainian, um, opera house. Why? And this may, this isn't meant to sound racist, but they brought in a black guy. Weren't they trying to be secretive? But then again, you kind of stop yourself and go, oh, wait, they're wearing SWAT gear. Who cares? So that I guess that's why I said the pick got the rip got negated. Yeah. Well, at first, when they're just in the truck, you're thinking, wait, they're trying to sneak in. Wouldn't you want to? Oh, wait, they're being like a SWAT team. Who cares? It doesn't matter what you're skipping. Okay, whatever. So I got negated right away. I don't even know why I brought it up. That was stupid. Um, <laughs> next, uh, the next um, rip, and this is what I just thought up of was so they want to send nuclear weapons in the past. Well, why don't they just get a bunch of quote-unquote suicide bombers to run back and go hug themselves and cause an annihilation explosion. 
Maybe it doesn't work. Maybe maybe the uh, the uh, invert. Maybe the turnstile prevents that from happening. It creates that bubble. Um, so again, that's a minor little thing that probably gets negated by my own talking myself out of it. So it doesn't adversely impact anything. Here's the actual only real rip that bugged me. Nolan, turn your soundtrack down. <laughs> I don't know what it is about you wanting to test the limits of theater speakers, blow out IMAX theaters, and deafen your audience. And, and at the same time, using it with, like, organ music. It was the only thing I hated about... I, I hated two things about Interstellar. The fact that they said, um, uh, what's her name? Marv or whatever, the, the girl's name. Oh, I. Marv, 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 Marv. It's like every sentence was like, oh crap, we didn't say her name. We got to add that in again. And this, and the fact that it started, you'd have this organ that would just start slow and then, and, and deafen you. I don't get what's with Nolan and wanting to deafen the audience because there were scenes like on the highway when I was plugging my ears and missing dialogue. I, and it, it annoyed me a lot. I it's think like, that might be only you though. I, I, I'm I, not the only one. I know I'm not the only one because I spoke to a friend that said the same thing. Fantastic movie, but he needs to turn his soundtrack down. I'm not, see that's where I'm I'm going to disagree and agree with you. Great. Um, <laughs> I can never. I always seem to be in the middle, even when I'm in the middle by myself. Even when Scott's <laughs> not here. Yeah. Um. Because no, it, it, there's this part of it where yes, that points it is loud. It is loud, but I think that's somewhat on purpose. And is what makes his films what they are. Because he tries to put the soundtrack into the film. It's not just be in the background, just there. It's integral to the plot. It's integral to his movement of the film and how he wants the film to go. He's putting it in the forefront, not the background. So sometimes it's loud as can be, which yes, but I think it's on purpose and being done to drive the feelings and the emotions that he's trying to get out of people. I, I get what you're saying and it makes sense, but for me, it's still a rip because it took me out of the enjoyment of the movie. When I'm plugging my ears and thinking, what, what did he say? That's it kills your investment in the movie now because you were in it and now you're not. And that, that's for me. I mean, of course, it should be said that all the a lot of these rips often are subjective. Uh, and that's. That's OK. I mean, I get what you're saying and why that doesn't bug you and it makes sense to you. It makes sense to me why you would think that. But this is why, for me, it remains a rip. Fair enough. So, you happen to have one? Not rip rise. It's like, I guess the I, the, I don't know how to phrase this. The rip would be that at times the film takes too long in what it's trying to do. Okay. Make it, so. it is lengthy, that's true. I, I, what it's trying to do is get over here, over there, but it, it, the way it gets to some of these things, it takes a while. And that's both a good thing because it's trying so. to develop things, and but other times it's just like, oh, wow, this is taking a long time to get from this point to this point. I mean... It, two two hours something. His movies are lengthy. That's true, and I can see why someone might not enjoy that. And, it didn't bug me, but I can see it. That. It doesn't. I liked it, but it is long, 
And being that it is a brain taxing film, it can feel even worse. Because I, I I watched this film late at night. Right. So when I'm watching this very late at night film, and this is a brain taxing film, mm-hmm. it was fatiguing. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And you know what? That also makes sense, too. You were watching it at home. You weren't in it. I saw this in the theater. And it was, and that's why the sound really got to me because I had surround sound theater speakers blaring at me. You did not. That is so true. maybe that maybe that has maybe if I were to watch this at home, it wouldn't bug me at all. But for being surrounded in the theater, that's different. But you're right, though. If you're sitting at home, especially if it's later in the day, you could really get lost in this. I was watching this in the middle of the afternoon. <laughs> yeah. So. Th- that does make a big difference. So that that's a good point to bring up, Sickies. If you plan on watching this or really oh, any of the uh, Nolan films like, um, like Inception or this or um, Interstellar, you really need to be awake. Dunkirk, and that's not to say Dunkirk is dumb. It just doesn't involve as much thinking parts. <laughs> if you can stay focused long enough, you'll get what's happened. Dunkirk, there's nothing scientific about it, except unless you want to count the uh, Spitfires calculating their fuel consumption <laughs> when they write on a chalkboard how much they've spent. That's about as scientific as that film gets. Yeah. Um, so you could watch Dunkirk without as much laser focus, but these kind of films. Yeah. If you are at all compromised mentally, you will not enjoy this film. You'll get lost. So we got anything else in the rips and picks department? I guess the pick would be the dedication done for this. Okay. Um, cause again, they talk backwards. they, uh, fight backwards the core the uh, film style that it's done in isn't distracting either right because it, it follows the main characters and also hides things and shows things but it's also not shot in these weird angles or anything it, it's a Dangered shots, but also up personal and close shots. Right. It's a very Nolan way of shooting. Yeah, he is unique, and that's a good thing for him. Yeah. That he's got that unique style. Wait, are you complimenting him now? I've been complimenting him this whole time. <laughs> I told you, at the, as I said at the beginning, my initial adverse know, reaction to I him know. was born purely of Dark Knight trilogy. That's it. Um, I know, but I got Inception. Yeah, I know you do. Inception, I just don't understand why I didn't get into that. I can't, aside from the very ending, which I detested, the rest of it I should have, by all accounts, gotten into. I don't know why I didn't. I can't tell you why. I understand the appeal of it, though. Uh, that's good. But but I will say this. I have, since that film, since Inception at the very least, um, I have completely turned my mind around about whenever I see a Christopher Nolan com- movie coming out, I tend to get excited. I tend to want to know more. But I also know I'm going to have to wait to see the movie because with the exception of something like Dunkirk, uh, you never know what it's going to be about. Dunkirk is a gimme, obviously, but I still wanted to see it. Um, was it the most brilliant portrayal of that event no i mean the beach was way too clean and perfect uh but you forgave that detail um because you know he was on location and he was probably limited in reality i've seen other films where that was much better depicted where it was a camp full of cars and people and junk and 
after they got on the boats and left Dunkirk, there was just a bunch of crap left over that the 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 Reich was able to pillage. So, you know, guns and vehicles and what have you and food that they just had to outright abandon to get away. Um, but that that little detail wasn't enough to make me go, hey, wait a minute. So because there were other cool parts like when uh when the RAF pilots came back and the army was looking at them like, where were you guys? That really was not that the RAF was slack, but that was the general feeling amongst the army that the RAF was, had failed them. So, uh, no, that was, uh, you know, I like Dunkirk. I, I like Nolan's movies. Okay. Fair enough. So, I'd say it's about time to rate this thing. How many turnstiles do we give it? And I'll give it a good, for everything we've said, 9.5. Okay. 9.5 is really just because of the soundtrack. That I was fully invested until I had to plug my ears and go, huh, what? And that was enough to knock it down 0.5 for me. Fair enough. Uh... I'm giving this a nine. All right. I mean, there are points in it. It was long. But overall, it was fantastic. And I want to watch it again. I want to understand it better. Oh, for sure. The science is, you know, pretty good. It is a very suspenseful film. It it does what I like in a film. It makes me. There are times where I want to turn my brain off when I watch a film. I'll be honest. Right. There are times where I want my brain fully engaged. Mm-hmm. It, and this absolutely fully engages my brain. Yeah. So for sure. For sure. This gets what. I need when I want to sit down and fully engage my brain. So it hits all those boxes and it's like, oh, I get engrossed in this. And I'll be honest, it was a long film. I did check my phone, like, how late is it? Only because it was, I started it late. Yeah. Not because I was like, oh, how much longer is it? It's how much, how late is it? Uh, I can't go. I, I need to go to bed. I have work in the morning. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. So where, where was the point lost, though? It, the, the only point I can give it in a loss is I, it was fantastic. It was great. It just somewhat and some part of me finds it a disconnect because it's supposed to be so grounded in reality here Mm -hmm. that some of it just doesn't seem realistic enough because it just, again, Chinook's massive secret organization that no one apparently knows about backwards and forwards in time, things happening that already have happened and you have to do stuff because you already did stuff. And it's like, what is your message? Okay. That's kind of where I'm going. Like, it seems to have thrown so many messages at the wall and nothing seemed to stick. That's kind I of. See. I mean, they threw a climate change thing in there for five seconds that just, it's like. Huh? That was kind of weird. Like, why is that all of a sudden added in? Yeah. So it, there were messages here that didn't stick, I guess. So, okay. Yeah. Well, that, of course, because if you just tack it on at the end, again, that, I mean, seriously, that's it. <laughs> Pretty yeah. damn good. Okay. That is very good. So that gives us the definitive sci-fi melody approval. Go see this film. Definitely go see this film. Uh, Scott may even chime in later with his take. If he ever watches it. Otherwise, Next month, Sickies is my personal favorite horror month. 
That's right. We're going to be doing Terror in Sci-Fi, my personal favorite month of the year and of the of the show. So look forward to that. I'd ask Scott where to where we could go, but he's too busy operating the turnstile, and it would just come out if he were to speak now. It would just come out as. And it would translate to www. Infantile comment, infantile gutter comment.com. Very accurate. There it is. That's there's there's Scott's take infantile gutter comment.com. So, uh, but you can get comment on this at ravinglibertymedia.com. Ravinglibertymedia.com. What is the left to do, Rage Master? Stay sick, sickies. Okay, Scott. Uh, Scott. You need to stop the recording now. Oh, this is going in it. Ruck is going to add this. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he is. I knew this was going to happen, too. I just knew it. Like, I'm going to say this, and then Ruck's going to be like, oh, well, that's going in. Watch, Scott's on the roof or something. <laughs> he climbed up there to get a stick off of it, and then he picked us a ladder and panicked. I'm calling him now, but he probably left his phone in the toilet. There's, <laughs> we'll eventually have to log off, and there'll be like two hours of dead air recording. Scott, pick up your phone. Oh, wait. Oh, you just, that was you texting. Yes. Okay, I got an idea. I'm gonna call Sarah. Nope, wrong one. Hang on. I mean, I get him walking away, but geez. All right, I'm calling Sarah. Hopefully she answers. Cause I also have to record my lines for ZTF, so. Ah. Before we head out to the Sunflower Festival at Ramsayer and hope to God it doesn't rain today. We really should have told Scott to, like, come back after so long. But why? This is going to make such great audio. Yeah, at some point. <laughs> well, especially that initial one. Okay, Scott, we're done. I mean, I guess the realtor could be there, but the other thing is I want to make sure that he actually recorded it. That was a really good review. A really good review. Come on, Scott, answer your phone. Did you hear that? Yes. That'd be funny if Ruck kept that in and everyone got Scott's number. <laughs> Scott, come tell us if this recorded, please. And then, then stop recording. Jeez, Kennison, you know we're... <laughs> you know we weren't gonna do this for three hours. We don't wax verbose forever so so I see what you meant by weird position there yeah I mean it's a good weird yeah but what so wait another company tried to scalp you pretty much alrighty so neat. Yeah. So I'm coming out on top. So. <laughs> well, yeah, definitely. Well, it's always good when uh, another company's competing, and you know, when companies have to compete for you, that's always the best. Because then the ball's in your court. Yeah. So. So I wonder what that's like. 
Maybe one day I'll figure it out. <laughs> well, you know, I'm now a highly skilled employee, so. Well, there you go. I just wasn't, I was expecting to, uh, put my two weeks in and basically be like, peace out, guys. <laughs> You're highly skilled? Oh, jeez, you finally back. Yeah, he's returned. Yeah, I figured he usually takes about an hour. Well, apparently you weren't checking your phone. My phone is sitting in here so that you guys can record. Oh. <laughs> so, so in other words, uh, wow, look at that. Just, uh, I just want to make sure that in fact, uh, that recorded. Oh, it recorded. Um, okay. Do you want to do the very end? No, we already did that. Okay. I was gonna, but then you didn't answer in time, so I just said screw it, and we landed on our own. Gotcha. All right. Well, Ruck has a whole ton of stuff, so all right. I'm gonna yeah, hit, stop here That's and exact- uh, have fun, Ruck. Oh, I did. I very much did, Scott Tholomew. It was grand. I hope you all enjoyed this compilation of Rage Master and Thomas Wait for Scott. It was a lot longer than what was here. I cut about probably a good 15 minutes off the audio. But stay sick, sickies. Hey, hey, I've seen this one. I've seen this one. This is a classic. This is our sci-fi melody. Dresses up as a man from space. What do you mean you've seen this? It's brand new. Yeah, well, I saw it on a rerun. 